Spectrum's brought to you by the Scripps College of Communication at Ohio University. The Scripps College is one of the most comprehensive colleges of communication in the country. It offers a foundation of creativity and practice so that graduates can move the world forward. In particular, the Scripps College offers challenging coursework that holds students to high expectations an integrated curriculum that combines a variety of disciplines and ideas, and student-driven media organizations where students can apply these skills and gain experience that enables them to hit the ground running upon graduation. That's the Scripps College of Communication at Ohio University. Welcome to Spectrum. Spectrum features conversations with an eclectic group of people. Some are famous and some aren't, but the common thread is that they all have captivating stories. Today we're talking with a pair of globe-trotting filmmakers, Earl Bridges and Craig Martin. We're talking about their upcoming television docu-series featuring people across the world doing work that makes a difference. The new show is called Good All Over, and it's scheduled to premiere on PBS in June of 2018. We hear about the philosophy behind the show and some of the far-reaching places Martin and Bridges have already visited. Tell me what Good All Over is. Give a description for somebody who's never heard about it. So basically, uh, the show is about the good that people do in the world, um, not necessarily people who work for nonprofits or people who work for charities. It can be that, but it's largely just anybody who does the work that they do sacrificially in a philanthropic way. And um, so Earl kind of had this vision and idea, and then when he shared it with me, I got excited about this idea that we could actually highlight people of different religions and, you know, different motivations uh, to go out and just see what they're doing to make the world a better place. So it's a television show. Our distribution will basically be on public television. It will have, it'll be a one-hour kind of primetime show, and uh, we'll go around the world. And we'll spend kind of half of our episodes domestically in the U.S. and then half of it kind of internationally visiting some characters that we feel like are super interesting doing some amazing work in areas that are surprising. And, you know, and um, we start kind of where we started uh, in Bangkok, Thailand, where Craig and I grew up, knew each other from there. And uh, we kind of branch out from there and we visit, you know, in season one, uh, which is an abbreviated season, four different episodes. So we'll be in uh, Thailand and Myanmar. We'll go to uh, Uganda. So way out in eastern Mbali, Uganda. We'll go to Alabama Village outside of Mobile, Alabama. And uh, we'll go to a trek that we do from Kenya to Tanzania. And along the way, we just meet some incredible people that you're just like, wow, why do you do this? I mean, you could do a million different things. Why do you choose to do the type of work that you're doing? I want to ask you that question because you come from, if I read your bio correctly, Mm -hmm. you come from a business background. That's right. uh, MBAs, Mm -hmm. not a lot of communication, almost none, at least (laughs) academically. Mm -hmm. Uh, You come from, uh, Craig, you come from a communication background, uh, doing all kinds of uh, productions in, in multimedia. 
how did you two get together with this idea? I know you mm-hmm. have the Thailand connection, but was this uh, over a cup of coffee someplace or, or how? Craig and I come from Craig and I come from a faith-based background, and we've kind of split. Uh, some of us hold on to our faith stronger than others, and um, so I'd say it's God's providence in one level. <laughs> That's what yeah, he's being he wouldn't. Is Actually, that what it's you're the saying? opposite. Craig would say that, and I would say it's a damn coincidence that we happen to be together. But I mean, we hey, can were we good. Use profanity? I'm not sure. Um, but we were good friends. We were good friends in high school, and um, Craig had gone off and done filming in like 90 different countries. And I was working with really large corporations on a technology software company that I had called Good All Over. And uh, they were trying to do some uh, get people, like um, today, get people off their chairs and pulling out their wallets and actually giving it. In order to do that, you really need visual storytelling. That's one of the really compelling reasons why people would give. So, you know, about a year and a half ago, he was available. I was on my way to <laughs> Myanmar and Nepal and Vietnam, and I said, pick up a camera and let's go. Earl's being gracious because when he says I was available, I was – I got the, as, as a friend of mine in Egypt said one time, the left boot of fellowship from the organization <laughs> I had worked with for many years, me and the, the staff that I worked with, you know, they decided that they could do communications kind of on their own. On their own. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, and, and Earl quite uh, literally in that moment saved me, <laughs> my career, and invited me on a trip that was, uh, you know, a whirlwind uh, and we had a great time. And on that trip, we're like, he's like starting telling me the ideas that he had with the show. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, I love this idea. Yeah. So well, when we describe it, I mean, really, it does feel like you'll see an episode and you'll say this feels like a Bourdain time episode. And we talk about it as a Bourdain meets Vice with a heart kind of thing. It's rough. <laughs> it's edgy. Well, yeah. he, he actually told uh, an agent at uh, William Morris Endeavor Agency out in Hollywood, he said, she said, oh, this kind of the trailer reminds me a little bit of Anthony Bourdain. And he goes, yeah, Anthony Bourdain with balls. <laughs> <laughs> so it is. We find ourselves in pretty um, dicey situations that are not, um, you know, not common. But um, but again, that was one of the things that drew us together, I guess, is our friendship and the background that we have and an interest in some really cool characters and, you know, uh, we wanted to do some storytelling that didn't feel like it was agenda-driven, you know, that yeah, you don't yeah. always know That's what the, the ending is going to be. Yeah. I mean, it's cool people doing cool things, but it, it doesn't always end with soft music and, you know, and um, kids crying. There's, or a there's always rant. <laughs> or a polit- Well, sometimes it'll end with that. <laughs> there's always this, you know, in, in the world that I came from, nonprofit world, there's always a reason people are doing it. And, and some of the reasons are very valid and very good reasons. But when you're a storyteller, uh, you are – you know, basically doing propaganda for that organization. So the idea that we could do a show that has no agenda, that we don't really care, you know, we don't really care uh, why you're doing it, or we, we're we interested in it. Um, we're interested in why you're doing it. But if you're doing it just because, you know, you you feel like it just makes you happy, great. You know, if you're doing it because you are, there's some sort of profit motivation, but it's still impacting the world in a positive way, great. We don't really care. Yeah, if you feel like Jesus has called you to do it, that's fine too. I mean, again, there's all legitimate you know, reasons for why people are doing that. Or, so the, or Muhammad. Or Muhammad or whomever, <laughs> exactly, yeah. So we'll have, yeah, we'll have characters that are, yeah, come from all faith backgrounds. Yeah. So let's get to the mechanics. Mm-hmm. When will it air? Uh, so uh, people can watch it on public television. Absolutely. So we're in uh, finalizing production. We'll be in post here in just a little bit. Actually, we're working on post on a couple of the episodes now, and uh, we expect it to be on public television in June timeframe. 
In the meantime, I mean, again, that's a large gap. A lot of people don't realize that, you know, it's not shooting one weekend. And, 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 and <laughs> no, in fact, the podcasts don't even work that well. No. But, um, but they can follow along the progress on some of the social media that we have and the website as well. And they can kind of see where we're at, what we're doing. And hopefully they'll get a sense of the fact that it's just two buddies, you know, traveling around the world, having a good time, but, you know, telling good stories. Okay. From the business perspective, mm-hmm. How do you get money to do this? Good question. This is something that I'm not sure a lot of people understand about how public television works because it's not like – because we had the opportunity to go to Discovery or Netflix or somewhere. Sure. And they strike right. a big check and they say, okay, we want 10 episodes and here's $3 bucks to do it. In public television, uh, because it's a nonprofit space, you actually go and get funders. So people can contribute to it. They go through a fiscal agent. Um, we have a presenting station that provides the 501c3 area. And, um, and we basically have to do the fundraising for the show. So we can get sponsors like car companies and beverage companies, um, but that's what we do. We hustle on that side. We can't do product placement, so that makes it even harder. They get a little banner, but outside of what happens on television, then there's a lot of opportunities for us to leverage our show, wrap a car, you know, travel around you know, the U.S. and make some money on, on, the, uh, the, on the show itself. So off-screen opportunities are more profitable. On-screen is what you see on public television. This show is presented by so-and-so, you know, present, sure. whatever it is. The, all the funding credits. All the funding credits, exactly. And you get, you know, you get a little bit at the top and, and you get a little bit at the and bottom. And if you see the picture or you have a little clip of the mm-hmm. person who donated, you know they gave a lot. Right, yes, money. exactly. So if you need a little picture of your logo or whatever, we have space. <laughs> but we're, we're in the throes of it. We've been, we've been it, it's not, you asked about my business background. I had worked with a lot of large corporations on their corporate social responsibility. And there's not a better way for a brand to communicate who they are than the good works that they do. How do you spend your time and your money? Right. And so this is a good vehicle for them to associate their brands with people doing good and by proxy. So we, we lean into some of the relationships that I've had over time, and, I've, and it's big brands, so international brands that want to be associated with a show like this. You're a storyteller by training and by career, Craig. Uh, what does a person like Earl bring to the table in in the storytelling aspect? Obviously, he's got a business mind and can put together the construct of this and market it and all of those things. But what's he bring on the storytelling? Side? I hope there's not a long pause here. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's not a long pause. In fact, uh, before you even asked the question, I was processing through the fact that, you know, Earl's – so I've learned so much from Earl about business, the business side of things. Right. And just it's not been my background as much. Um, and I think he's kind of learned uh, a lot about the production, com- you know, components of making TV. And uh, so for me personally, Earl, when we're on camera and when we're working together in a storytelling mode, he's exactly the guy that I knew in high school. And when we were, you know, playing on the varsity basketball team, which was actually sitting on the bench a lot, you know, he's <laughs> that's the, how we got to know each other. A lot of bench time. <laughs> a lot of bench time. He's the same Earl, uh, telling stories, cracking jokes, uh, you know, having some very irreverent moments, and. For me, that's the kind of storyteller I want to be around. Um, I always want to be with somebody who can take you from a place of actual, you know, funny and fun to dramatic and sad, but then also just questioning things. I mean, Earl and I are both cut from the same cloth, whether it's faith or whatever the issue is. Right. We're always questioning, like, why do you think that, you know? And in, in today's world, I think it's exciting to work with somebody like Earl, with Earl, um, who doesn't have it all wrapped up tidy in a bow. 
You know, I can't stand people who have it all wrapped up tidy in a bow. And if you have your rote thing, you, you want to go up and unravel. Yeah, the bow. you're like, no, come on, man. That's what you've been told to say. Yeah. I don't want to hear that. I yeah. want to hear some alternate ideas. Yeah, and right. So that's the fun about it. And he's great on camera. I actually, when he first had the idea, and we were talking, you know, we had a lot of people saying, why, you know, why would people want to watch you guys as hosts? You really probably need some sort of celebrity. Uh, and then actually we went out to L.A. and the people who were serious in the business were like, no, it has to be you guys because the backstory is part of the, the story. It, it was interesting. I, I watched the trailer of, of uh, your show and I saw Earl <laughs> as the, the, the voice and, and the host. And I'm going, oh, wait a second. Th- this is the business guy. <laughs> <laughs> why? Why is he suits? Why is he fronting this? I I don't get this. But he he was engaging. I, it, by the end of the trailer, I was going, okay. Well, <laughs> this the, is cool. The, I mean, we we just got back from Kenya, uh, and and on this big truck from Kenya to Tanzania, and uh, you know there were so many moments where I just I just had to stand back and just laugh because of what Earl's saying on camera. Um, a lot of those moments were, you know, uncomfortable maybe in a, in a situation or whatever. But um, he's saying what we're all thinking about stuff. Uh. <laughs> and, and I think that is, as you know, as storytellers, that that's really one of the basics that sometimes gets overlooked is when you have a host saying the question right. that you wanted asked yeah. or the comment that you're thinking. It, it validates the audience. Right. Well, and, and, the funny, and the comedy in it, honestly, can be, I have to tell one quick story. We're in Uganda and he's yeah. interviewing this old Welsh missionary. Now, mind you, we can poke fun at missionaries because we grew up with missionary parents. Right. So he he says, you know, is it true what they say that uh, if you can't get a job uh, in the West, you become a missionary? And, oh, and, and, and I did it deadpan, so she had no idea. But the fact that she didn't have any personality to understand. She, she's almost like confused and stunned, and I so I had to do the whole Earl. You can't say that. And you're behind the camera going, wait, wait. Uh, let me ask, because you find these stories, and I want to talk to you about that in, in a moment, but you go across faiths, you go across cultures, you go across uh, continents. Is there a commonality, a human commonality, that there is a necessity or a desire to do good? I think there absolutely is. I mean, I think there's an empathy for humans across the board. And the more that you get to know somebody, then the easier it is for you to be sympathetic and empathetic to that individual. So what we try to do is we try to bring you across with us, you know, across the border in front of people that you never would have met before. A lot of Americans haven't spent a lot of time in Muslim countries. They don't understand the cultures, but we laugh the same. It's a lot of the same jokes, you know, we, we react the same. We like this, you know, same kinds of foods and things like that. And so there's, there's just, there's an understanding that we're all the same. And then when someone hurts, we all hurt. I mean, if you, uh, you start seeing the world as a human body. It's like, you know, if your toes get stubbed, the whole body reacts to it. I mean, we're one body connected to the same world. So that's really what we try to do is make a, as broad a connection to everyone and breaking down the barriers that you feel like it's not them and us. It's all us. Yeah, you know, it's all we, us. We actually ran across this uh, researcher from the States in a, an island called Pimba. 
very remote area. And he was researching that exact uh, thing. And he was basically – he had come up with his uh, you know, thesis was that, that all people are inherently willing and wanting to help each other. That it's not – it extends beyond just your own family. That it extends to your community. And that there is a misnomer that people are all only out for themselves. I think by and large people do want to help each other. And it doesn't matter what religion you come from or what you know, country you're from. Um, people want to help each other. And, you know, some people do it more than others, obviously. But I think it starts from that concentric circle. I mean, it is you work for yourself oftentimes because you know yourself best. You do your family or those that are closest to you, your friends and your relationships and then your community, and then it grows out from there. But if you can bring all of it in closer, just make the whole world feel like it's closer, then you have an aptitude to give, you know, to other people that you otherwise wouldn't have done, you know. And then you stop seeing it as, you know, those people over there yes. in Africa or those poor people in Southeast Asia, you start seeing it as it's just another population of people that need help. What we've discovered is there's a complete false narrative that this is Western white people helping poor African people or poor Asian people. We are a world family. It's not us and them. It's us. It's all us. And, you know, for us to be out and highlight that and you know, we talked to one guy in, in Nairobi uh, who was talking about the fact that they don't need your charity. They don't need your help. They need jobs. So, like, how can you actually go in and establish some sort of entrepreneurial, you know, development that can help people? In some places, yeah. just need water. Yeah. <laughs> some people, yeah. So there, is a, there is that, you know, there's very much a pyramid of uh, needs that occurs on that side. But, you know, again, you, so you have to address the immediate. But sometimes the way that you address immediate is not only, you know, giving hugs and donations. Sometimes it is giving jobs, providing some gray matter to it, you know, offering some, you know, intellectual uh, capital and some infrastructure. And sometimes that's what you – that's all that really needs to get kick-started. So – I'm not sure exactly how to frame this question, so bear with me. Uh, we're, we've been talking about the human side of giving and the human side of, of building and doing good. Governments sometimes say, okay, individuals, you can't do it like we can. Mm -hmm. We'll do good. Right. Governments will do good. And that has spotty kinds of success uh, around the world. Right. How do you justify the, the government doing good as opposed to the individual doing good? Boy, that's hard to say. There's actually a story that we want to do around some of the migration that happens from northern Africa to Malta and then into Italy. This is a lot of people that are getting onto boats and rafts and trying to make their way into Europe because there's a government that can help sure. them. Now, People are dying every day. There's thousands of people that die, uh, have died this year, I think more than 5,000. And, um, and, and there's a couple of nonprofits that just said, you know, we're just going to get some boats. We're going to save some people. They get a lot of pushback from the government and say it's not your place as a nonprofit to go through and solve these refugee crises that are happening. On the other hand, what do you do when you're sitting on an idyllic, you know, uh, island in, you know, off the coast of, you know, Malta? When dead bodies are washing up on shore, is the government doing anything? So there's always a little bit of tension of who's, who's the best person or organization in order to get it done. We have a, we have a perception that our government can't do anything. You know, that's, there's a, <laughs> <laughs> and that's probably somewhat deserved. But on the other hand, 
you know, it's it's uh, there are some things that are being done and best done by governments, and some things that are done best by NGOs and charities. And sometimes it's just individuals that you know make the difference. I, I um, think the the big thing for all of it is whether it's a government or nonprofit. The big thing is it has to be somewhat indigenous, if not all indigenous. It needs to come out of the desire from people who are within that situation to change the, the you know the situation and empowering those people and giving them the resources to do it within their own culture within their own environment is enormously important and governments and nonprofits and even individuals sometimes like to swoop in and just take over you know we're going to fix this problem well, you know, we, we've been told of, you know, and I won't mention the country, but someplace in East Africa that, you know, a government organization came in to install these water uh, facilities, basically a, a water pump where people could get, you know, free, basically drinking water. Uh, and they put within that um, a chemical that you dropped into the water to purify it. Well, it was said by some of the villagers that the reason that the chemical was there was to make um, the women sterile. So as soon as that rumor got around, nobody touched the water. So they spent millions of dollars installing these fresh water pumps and nobody uses them. So that's the kind of thing, if, if they had just done a little bit of research and gone in and talked to the local people and gotten you know, a feel for the landscape, uh, it would have been much more successful. Yeah, but I think that's an example where uh, it was a good idea, and it was probably a good process that was done, but there wasn't a legitimacy that was viewed by the people that were the recipients of it. And that's when you go back to who is the legitimate person that helps? Is it government? Is it charity? Is it business? And oftentimes we're cynical about what the uh, government's you know ideas, especially in countries where they don't have any trust in their own governments, you right. know, the Rohingyas and things like that, where they're getting aid, but really what is that aid doing? You know, or the NGOs, you know, they're helping, but really what are they, is it for themselves or whatever, or profit motives from, you know, nonprofit or sorry, for-profit companies that are doing the same things. I would um, say for the show, though, we're not, uh, we're not going after like gotcha journalism or going to find right. out all the problems with the world. We right. really do want to have a show that's positive and exciting and people who are interesting characters and who are doing it the right way. Do you <clears throat> stay away from situations where there is a dominant precipitating factor, such as a hurricane, an earthquake, uh, something that prompts people to, to do good. Mm -hmm. Do you stay away from those and go to places where there's just sort of an indigenous uh, uh, need to do good? We try to find good in the darkest places, and sometimes those darkest places are after an earthquake in Nepal. We were in Nepal, you know, uh, less than a year after they're within 15 kilometers of the epicenter, and there's good stories there. So we look for that. I mean, from storytelling side of things, you know, it's it's nice to be able to see where the conflict is, and then from that you can see the characters that are really making a difference. So we don't shy away from it. If anything, we run to where it's, we probably shouldn't, you know, <laughs> run into the fire, run over to the place. We want to do something on Puerto Rico. I mean, Craig's wife is from Puerto Rico, and her family is all there. And that's a mess, you know. It's yeah. just yeah. – uh, in fact, that's the subtitle of the whole show. We talk about, you know, there's good all over, but, you know, this this – Global philanthropy is a messy business. You find yourself with strange bedfellows. You have to partner with people that you otherwise hate. You know, you have to look for, you know, help wherever you can find it. And, um, and sometimes that's in surprising areas. And then out of that, you get these characters that are 
you know, called or rise to the top that we find are really interesting. And that can happen anywhere. And I'm sure that in places there are needs for bribes and graft. And, and, and I won't say that we've given a lot of a, bribes or graft. We call it tea money, yeah. I think. In so there, every culture has basically, uh, in, in Hindi and Indian culture, they call it chaipani, which means a little bit of tea, money for tea. In, uh, in Middle Eastern Arabic cultures, it's uh, bakshish, same word. Tea money, just a little money for tea. Right. So sometimes we buy people tea, and a lot of it. <laughs> sometimes you can't get away with it, you know, get away from it. But it's true. It's there's a. This is the funny thing too, because we get a crew of you know guys, camera guys and audio sure. guys, and we're heading through, and we go and so, and we don't. In full disclosure, dis- we never disclose exactly everything that we're doing on these things uh, because we would just get stuck in customs. We'd get stuck at borders. <laughs> we'd never be able to get into the countries. Exactly. So we, so we're we're um, we have a really good group of guys. You're tourists with great equipment. <laughs> <laughs> we got exactly really nice cameras. I'll yeah, tell you right. that. Yeah. I will say though that the, you know the disaster zones and all that stuff. We we had a serious conversation with the crew on this last trip to say, guys, you know these are the kinds of stories we're doing. Mm -hmm. So have that conversation with your wives because we're going to be doing stuff that's, you know, you know, potentially harmful to your health. (laughs) Um, And, you know, I've done it for years and my wife uh, just has kind of put up with it. She's only asked me once not to go to a place that uh, she knew I could be in real trouble. Um, So it's, but that's part of the joy of the show is being able to explore into, into worlds that other people are not comfortable going. And I think that's part of the fun of the show as well. Is you're seeing a gang of guys that are absolutely fearless. You know, there's I talk about the fact that invariably we'll be driving down the road and Craig will say, stop the van. And we'll dump out and head out with a camera. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to stay in here and just kind of keep the, <laughs> keep the van safe. <laughs> but they would quite literally take a bullet, you know, in a lot of these instances. And I think at the end of the day... People are people. There's not. There are. There are dicey situations that we get into, but um, but I think that overwhelmingly you can trust your humans uh, beings to make sure that you know. I did we're tell all Earl fine. that if if uh, we, we were in Alabama Village and a lot of guns were going off, and I told <laughs> Earl, I said, if I get personally get shot, grab the camera and keep videotaping because uh, you know somebody. Uh, will save me, but you need to get it on camera. <laughs> <laughs> now I will say I'm I'm less of a EMS guy than I am a camera guy, but I would pick up the camera. <laughs> Probably do more damage with the camera than I would. <laughs> it really would be after you've done worldwide travel to disaster zones, a tragedy to get shot in Alabama. <laughs> <laughs> no, it is. We I will, that's an interesting shoot. I, I can't wait till that episode goes because we heard gunshots every night. You know, every day that we I were will there. say though, honestly for me, it just, it was so much fun. And I mean it literally fun to be with these guys who a lot of them are drug dealers flashing guns at you and their cash and their actual drugs. Uh, because you started to to learn a little bit more about them. They're not, they're very complex. They're not quite so, like I say, you know, standard narrative that you assume. And some of these guys have just been raised up through it. And, you know, you can, after a few days with them, you really empathize with them and get to know them. Some of them are like really shy actually, and soft-spoken. Um, but then they'll you know, pull out a gun and act like they're all you know, badass. It's that 
compartmentalization that that's sometimes intriguing, isn't it? Yeah, it's uh, it's, uh, it's interesting to see. You know how if you were in if you grew up in that same situation, sure. where would you come out of? Because yeah. I, I think it's just a bunch of kids that grew up in a situation. They're in this vortex, and the circumstances and things like that that come to them are really what develop. It's their characters come out of that. You know, there's a certain portion of it that you're brought that you learn, and there's portion of it that's you know environmental but i mean again if you understand kind of where from once they came you realize that there's not a lot of difference between them and us and we we would love to break that us and them thing down so you know this old white guy pulls up in a truck and we're filming and he says well you know what the problem with alabama village is yeah (laughs) like uh, enlighten me i'm curious he says the problem is the drugs you get rid of the drugs and everything will be better in there and we're like (laughs) i had to laugh i'm like Really? That's your solution? Get rid of the drugs? Yeah. Wow. Why didn't that's someone easy. ask you earlier? It doesn't have anything to do with the poverty. And the <laughs> no jobs, no education. Role models, no future. No, yeah. We'll be back after this message. The Scripps College of Communication is designed to bring forth the people who bring forth knowledge by word or image or data stream, and in every medium and by all means, it succeeds. The Scripps College of Communication is where one generation of thought leaders and storytellers opens the doors for the next. Educating and inspiring each other, bridging disciplines, forging connections, pushing beyond the syllabus and beyond limits. And because all participants belong to a far-reaching community of achievers, they reach higher and further, not just ready for change, but hungry for it, demanding that ideas be heard, perspectives shared, and visions realized. This is how the Scripps College moves the world forward. This is what knowledge demands. And this is why the Scripps College of Communications exists. To make it loud, to make it clear, make it known. Learn more at ohio.edu slash Scripps College. So you guys are, are sensitive guys, one of faith, one not so much. Uh, you see situations around the world that are tragic. What do you do personally with your ire, with your anger? You, you've got you, you can't look at these situations and just be impervious to to them. I'm sure you have anger that builds up on a on a situation. Uh, I, I know you deflect a lot with humor. I can tell that already. But but, what do you do with that anger? Oh well, I, I would say that sometimes we do just let it out. I mean, I think you'll see it. You'll see it on camera okay. where you know you see something that's just plain wrong, and yeah. it doesn't seem in our minds to be two sided. It's not. Hey, I kind of get your 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 opinion on this side, and I kind of get the, you know that view on that side. No, there's one side, you know, and it's this side, you know. So sometimes we do that. We try to find, though, the stories that allow us to go through and, again, not agenda-driven, go discover the truth and then not shy away from what it is that we see. So you'll see a perspective that we offer. And, again, oftentimes we'll do it with humor. 
um, that seems to be an easier way than just um, sticking in our heels and putting up our dukes and you know, I will say that it. Earl and I are both similar in this way that th- this stuff really does affect us and um, you know well, years, sure. years ago I was work the nonprofit I was working for uh, we were doing stuff on the border with Kosovo and hearing the women coming out the the Muslim women coming out and talking about their daughters being raped in front of them and this horrific things I just was like you know in this doldrum for a couple weeks after and my wife was like, I don't want you doing this job if it's going to make you depressed because I'm not a depressed kind of person. And so it does impact you. It has an effect on you. Um, I think for Earl and I, I, and I think you would agree with this 100%, it just makes me want to work harder. It makes me want to tell more stories. It makes me want to stay up later. It makes you – know, I'm, I'm driven by it because th- these human tragedies, you know, are, are pretty awful. And we don't like to watch a baby in the NICU die you know, that's that's not right. something we enjoy, but it just makes us want to work harder and get this on the air. You guys have invented a word, and not everybody <laughs> invents words. <laughs> but but you, you didn't have anything that quite fit right. what you were looking at. Is right. that is that? Yeah, it? we were trying to figure out, you know, how do we describe this character-driven stories of these people doing good? And I don't know if we were drinking too much, but we came up with this <laughs> idea of philanthropology. Because the word philanthropy really is just, it's that love for, you know, for mankind. That's really it. And the philanthropology goes with the anthropology of why do people do that and how do, you know, who are these people that are doing that. So it's a study of that. So, yeah, we came up with this uh, made-up word, philanthropology. We'll have a podcast as well that will be under that same name. But I think it does describe what we're trying to accomplish with the show. It's character-driven, number one. It's an exotic backdrop. It looks like Craig and I are having a ton of fun. We're probably doing things that we probably should not. Um, but you feel like you're bouncing along this kind of road, and all of a sudden you discover a person uh, of faith, an atheist, a Muslim, a Buddhist, doing something amazing, and you're just like, wow, that is – we're all humans. That's a really cool human. Okay, so I'm – an audience member. Thank goodness. And we I, got one. Yeah, that's right. I, I watch one PBS. <laughs> I, I'm their demographic, by the way. Uh-oh. <laughs> uh, what am I to take away from this? What do you want audience? I mean, is this intended to motivate, to um, educate, uh, all of those things? I mm-hmm. mean, I know you have a purpose in, yeah. in, in doing all this beyond just telling great stories, which is a wonderful purpose, but there, there's got to be something more. Well, I think that it's kind of that linear thing. It's got to be entertaining, it's got to be educational, and it's got to be, and this has to be some motivation. And there's a lot of second screen opportunities for you to get involved, find out more, give, and things like that. But we don't want you to feel like that's what we're shooting for. We want you to just feel like you're sitting back and having a good time. So at the end of the day, instead of you know working in your insurance company, you could plop on the couch with your wife and look at it and say, you know what, when we retire, let's do something like those guys. Or if you're a millennial trying to figure out what you want to do in life, we want to start elevating this profession of doing good in lots of different forms um, because we feel like those guys are the ones that ought to have the uh, 
the spotlight on not celebrity chefs. Yeah. Yeah. Why why is why celebrity are, chefs the guys? These yeah. are the ones that are the heroes. Why are the guys playing hoops always the <laughs> celebrities? I mean, the, the the people who are doing really incredible things globally that we've gotten the the pleasure and the the privilege to meet. Why aren't they elevated in a status that's that young young people specifically can say, I want to be like that guy. Right, yeah. um, I mean, the guys we were with in Kenya, I mean, they're they're badasses. They're out on KTMs, like, zipping through the bush of Africa. I mean, it's like it's not a, any cooler job or cooler person right. doing it. So you, so it's entertaining, and then it motivates you to get up. You know, you can participate. You can live vicariously through them if you don't ever feel like you can actually do that. You can give. And then you have a better understanding of the fact that this really is nuanced. This is it's, – it's complex. It's messy, this whole business that's done. And, and then we stop having um, kind of this binary of this is a good charity versus a bad charity. You start understanding that there's a lot of good in the world. And you just look – and you start looking for that good. We had a conversation yesterday with uh, the guy from Alabama Village, one of the main characters in Alabama Village. And he was like, you know, stop with the politics. Stop with the hashtags. Get off your butt and do something. Actually go out there and invest your lives in other people and do something. I think that is a large motivator for us. It's it's like you're incorporating this in pop culture in a way. Maybe that's the uh, <laughs> Bourdain meets Vice. Right, exactly. <laughs> Maybe yeah. that's the <laughs> well, we've described it as, you know, this isn't necessarily Superman. This is Batman. It's, you know, the people, the characters are complex. They're not. And so they're entertaining. It's not like the typical show about you know, philanthropy that would put you to sleep. I mean, yeah. this stuff is exciting. It is entertaining. It's funny as hell sometimes. That's what we want to bring to the screen. Philanthropy uh, gives the image of the DAR or something. Oh, right. You know, yeah. yeah. People exactly. sitting around. Yeah. Guys, it's going to be in June. Now, is this going to be weekly in June? You said we'll four look, episodes? Yeah, it'll be four episodes. And because it'll be on public television, each station will have, be able to air it as often as they want. So, Great. you know, we'll do that. Uh, second season will be a full season, and that'll be 10 to 12 episodes. So you'll start seeing it on a regular cadence. But we expect that it'll be released, you know, kind of weekly. And then they can re-release within that, you know, the the agreed time that we have with public television. I have to ask one more question of both of you. What situation surprised you the most that you've seen? In the stories that we've yeah. done? I think the, the – I think honestly Alabama was most impactful in a lot of ways to me. And it wasn't, it wasn't because of, you know, the danger or the, you know, the stereotypes that you would see. It was the, the, the people in that small little ghetto um, who have really processed through things like racism – uh, we talked one of our main characters is a, a kid named Decino who's completely gotten out of the situation and he has a great job and everything. And you asked Decino about things like, you know, we asked him, uh, what do you what do you think when a white person calls you the N word? And Decino's response was, you know, I just I just smile and I laugh because I feel badly for them that they have that. I'm like, this is a kid who was raised without, you know, really without a father in the roughest of situations, a lot of abuse in the f- home, and he has elevated himself above all of that. And I thought, wow, this guy has something to teach the world. And, so, and, and just hearing that, my audience response is, wow, I couldn't do that. 
That's yeah. that's special. Yeah. That's that's Very something special. to aspire to. <laughs> you know, I I don't think I could do that. Yeah. yeah. I think the one for me was um, because Craig and I come from a faith-based background. So we spent our lives around Buddhists and Muslims and Christians and things like that. A lot of people do it from that faith-based thing. But when we went to uh, Uganda, we're in Mbala, Uganda. That NICU where Dr. Kathy and Dr. Adam, her uh, this husband and wife team who are in their early 30s, they're, she's a neonatologist, he's an anesthesiologist, and they're working in this far remote area in a NICU that gets 200 kids a month that was having a 52% mortality rate. You're losing wow. kids every single day. So when we're filming, we know that some of those kids are not going to be around the next day or the following yeah. day. They're, they were, they're making a big impact as they reduce that mortality from 52% to I think 36% or something like that. When you ask them what their motivation is, they're not Christians. They're atheists. They don't care. It's just they've got one life to live. They choose to live their life in an area that they can make the biggest difference. And for me, that rocked my world a little bit because if you felt like some higher power was calling you to do it, that's one thing. But when you just say, how do I look at my fellow man and not help where I can help? For me, that was the biggest and, and, thing. And Earl asked uh, Adam, the husband, he said, you know, you could be crushing it in the UK, making all kinds of money. you both doctors. I mean, and yeah. Adam, without even missing a beat, looked and he was, you know, he was had a quizzical look on his face and he says, what do we need the money for? And it was like, wow, okay, that that guy, that's who I want people to know. Uh, you know, he really legitimately was asking us, like, what do I need the money for? You know, I'm, we're happy, we're growing up, you know, our kids are growing up in Uganda and we're making an impact. That comes from a, a place that, you know, quite frankly, doesn't have to be a faith-based place. It's just in his nature to want to help people. You'll see that in every episode. Every episode's a little different. Every episode you're like, wow, that's really cool. Yeah. <laughs> I love that guy. <laughs> I, I want to do that. Someone <laughs> drop a camera and give that guy a hug. <laughs> that's right. Guys, thanks a lot for talking with me. I really appreciate it. enjoyed the conversation. Thanks, and uh, Good all over in June, mm-hmm. PBS. Check it out on our website, www.goodallover.tv. There yep. you go. Thanks, guys. Thank awesome. you. Today we've been talking with international filmmakers and documentarians Earl Bridges and Carl Martin about their upcoming PBS series called Good All Over. Spectrum is produced by WBUB Public Media. Adam Rich is our co-producer. I'm your host, Tom Hodson. Please subscribe to Spectrum. You can do that at Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or at NPR One, we welcome your feedback, so please go to Apple Podcasts and rate us or review us. If you have questions or comments about any of our podcasts, please direct them to me by email at hodson at ohio.edu. Again, that's hodson, H-O-D-S-O-N, at ohio.edu. 